Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. This podcast is designed to offer insights, best practices, and innovative solutions for the challenges facing Hoosier cities and towns. Each edition will offer ideas and inspiration while showcasing the talent and commitment of Indiana's local leaders. Enjoy the program. Welcome to the AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. I'm Matt Gerler with AIM. For this episode, we have a rare out-of-state guest. He's a former mayor. He's a former municipal consultant. Uh, He has dedicated the majority of his professional life to cities and towns, not only in his home state of Florida, but all over the country. Clarence Anthony, CEO and Executive Director of the National League of Cities, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Matt, for having me. It's really an honor to be able to uh, be on, on this podcast. And for the listeners, um, I must tell you guys, Matt and I have known each other a very long time. So the formality that he introduced me uh, in just made me feel so important. But, uh, you know, the stories go on. Um, when I was president of the National League of Cities um, and Matt worked for the league, um, Matt was the person who uh, was assigned to me as a staffer from the Indiana Municipal League at that time. So he had to be really nice uh, to me as I was, I was president, but also I, all joking aside, I'm I'm so blessed to have him in my life because he also was on the selection committee uh, that selected (laughs) me for this job. So I have a lot of thanks to you, Matt, for what you have done for me personally, but also for all the the, the municipalities uh, in Indiana, the 460, you've done an amazing job of just continuing to reinvent AIM in a way that is providing great services. So thank you, Matt. I appreciate you. I appreciate it, Clarence. You know, I I guess it's not all fun. You're a, you're an avid SEC football guy. And while football is not really a big thing at my alma mater, uh, my, my friend of the North in Michigan, and uh, wants to wish you well for the, the Michigan receiving the national championship this year. Wanted me to pass that along to you today and uh, welcome you as we welcome you to the podcast. Well, you want to start a fight already. If you want to be nice, be nice. If you don't, we can bring it on. But no, I I appreciate both uh, uh, you guys because uh, Dan was like, uh, Gil Martin was like Matt in my life uh, when I was mayor and president of NLC. He was assigned to me in Michigan to pick me up at the <laughs> airport and babysit me and make sure I didn't get in trouble. Uh, but you two guys, I, I look back. Um, I was telling my team earlier, I feel like I'm an old guy that actually had a part of your life. And now to watch you lead AIM, it really is an honor. So thanks. I really appreciate it. Let's jump into it, Clarence. Um, big year for the National League of Cities this year, the 100th anniversary of the organization. Uh, things are going to be happening all over the country to celebrate, but certainly within the the halls of National League of Cities and in Washington, D.C. Um, talk a little bit about a key message you want to bring forward about the 100-year the anniversary, anniversary, excuse me, and the, the legacy that, you know, to date that NLC has created all across the country. Well, uh, 2024 is the year of cities, towns, and villages throughout America. And what we're going to do is talk about how cities have really helped uh, America transform, uh, diversify, 
become places where people can um, uh, raise their family. And just like your mission statement talks about culture and vibrancy um, and workforce opportunities, um, we're going to talk about that the entire year and also the impact that the National League of Cities has had on um, federal legislation, programming, technical assistance. Um, and I'd also express to the listeners that the history starts with state municipal leagues. Um, state municipal leagues were the founders and the creators and the thought uh, developers of this concept of having a voice in Washington, D.C., because the federal level was in 1924 uh, developing, and they wanted to make sure that they had a role. Indiana was one of the founding uh, leagues that sat around that table and said, we think this is important, and uh, they traveled to Lawrence, Kansas, uh, KU, Kansas University, and um, we were born. And you think about it, uh, much of what uh, we do now, I read the historical papers, is really similar. We want to convene people, want to educate people, we want to have a position on federal policy. But one of the areas that they spent a lot of time on, uh, Matt, was this area of networking and sharing ideas and best practices. And when I read that, I was like, wow, we are consistent. We remain consistent. The challenges that we face are different, uh, but the approach and how we provide services to our members is the same thing. It is ironic that uh, when it first started, it was just for municipal leagues. And then um, in the 60s, it changed uh, to inviting municipal leaders uh, or cities, individual cities, uh, to be members. Uh, so again, we've changed the structure, but the mission is the same. This year of 2024, year of cities, we're going to talk about it everywhere we go. The first thing we're doing is that we're going to have a road show. We're getting in an RV and we're riding around America, getting outside of Washington, D.C., talking to municipal leaders, learning about what they see is happening, uh, whether it's Michigan City, Indianapolis, or Greenwood. Uh, we're going to be meeting with the citizens and the municipal leaders. Because I do think um, oftentimes I hear that, you know, we are developing policy that is reflected in the beltway of Washington, D.C. This, this will actually get us outside. And so this road trip that we're going to take is around America and, again, celebrating. We're also uh, going to, through this uh, year of celebration, uh, lift up the good things that are happening in cities, uh, whether it's in Elkhart. Uh, or any other community throughout, um, uh, you know, Indiana or any other part of America. We want to tell how um, we're continuing to look to the future beyond 2024. So I'm hoping that we can find some opportunities to come to Indiana and, and really be a part of the celebration. And if you want more information, nlc100.org 
um, you can go on our website um, and uh, learn more about it. And as we close the year in November, we're going to be in Tampa, Florida, where our 100th anniversary gala. And I'm hoping that, Matt, if you can get two to 300 of uh, the municipalities in uh, Indiana to come and hang out with me, um, I'd appreciate that. I really will. But, but it is a great opportunity. And I don't let an opportunity to really lift up what cities and municipalities are doing go by because we are the level of government that if you want something done, give it to a municipal leader and we'll get it done. So I'm really proud to be working where I am. Well, we'd be thrilled to, to host the RV tour here in, uh, in Indiana. Tampa in November is probably pretty appealing to a lot of our uh, community leaders around the state, I would have to guess. So uh, we'll definitely make our, our take our best shot at getting as many folks down there as we can. You mentioned the website. I uh, just wanted to highlight that again for anybody listening. If you're a history nerd like me, it's got a lot of uh, interesting and cool factoids that you can read about and learn about the sort of the history of cities, towns, and, and villages throughout the country. Uh, it's it's well done. So thanks. Thanks for doing that, Clarence. Thank you. Shift gears here a little bit, maybe get a little more serious, Clarence. You've uh, when we were down in Atlanta for the city summit in 23 back in November, you did a really great job of talking to the state municipal league folks about uh, the opioid crisis and and what it means not only to you personally but for cities and towns around the state. Uh, you know, there's a a great I shouldn't say great a, a powerful example. Of uh, somebody within our own ranks that's dealt with this in the most personal of ways that I think really resonated with us. So, how are we going to take the you know the problem solving role that NLC has, the state leagues have, and and try to dedicate some of our efforts to that uh, crisis that's obviously taking over or has taken over our country in some respects. Yeah, and that that issue of uh, the opioid crisis continues. Um... You know, I, I think back in 2018, I was traveling all over America, as I do, uh, Matt, speaking to municipal leagues, meeting in cities, and every newspaper I would see would have these stories about opioids or some overdose. And I came back to my team and I said, there's something happening in America, and it's just not in South Florida, where I first saw this article called The Faces of Opioids. And that article really impacted me a lot because I saw the picture of a mother, young mother and her daughter. They were in the car laughing and you turn the page and the next picture you saw was her mother laying in a casket and her face laying on the casket looking at her mom. And I came back to the office that Monday and I said, there's something going on. We got to address this. And so what we've seen is that it is, in fact, uh, impacting the Midwest in a significant way. South Florida, Northeast, Maine, New Hampshire, that was 2018, and it's still occurring today. And so I've talked about it a lot because approximately 109,000 Americans have died from overdose, and 70% of those overdoses was attributed to synthetic opioids like fentanyl. 
And one of the responsibilities that we have as municipal leaders, league directors, is to bring the tough issues to our members and push them to deal with them. Now, when I started talking about it in 2018, number of the municipal league leaders, as well as city leaders said, we don't have that problem. We don't have that problem. And I truly understand that because you do not want to be tagged as the opioid city or the state. So I would ask them to go to your coroner's office or your medical report office and get a report that would tell you exactly what that person uh, passed by or died from. And when you start calculating and looking at the data, it really hit folks that, well, we have a problem. And also it's personal. I can tell you, I, I've seen it happen in family after family after family. And now I'm beginning to have people actually open up and tell stories and actually acknowledge in the obituary and newspapers of how their kid died. The fentanyl is now just not in adults through prescription. We're seeing stories in elementary school where kids are finding things and tasting it and dying. We're seeing high school kids and college kids, successful lawyers, doctors, construction company owners. I, I got to talk about this and continue to because it is significantly impacting the future of our workforce and our families. Matt talked about one of our um, league directors from Arkansas, Municipal League um, Executive Director Mark Hayes, who went on my podcast, uh, City Speak, and shared the story about how he and his wife found um, his son um, dead in the bathroom. And the most memorable moment in this podcast is when Allison, his wife, um, found him and Mark described her screaming as a bellowing bear that is nothing like hearing a mother in pain. And I tell that story because I really want to get the point across. I want local leaders to create partnerships to be able to provide ideas and, and programs and funding so that we can at least find a way to um, educate others and even connect to the school systems. We're not out of this um, horrible phase of the impact of fentanyl. Uh, but I think city leaders are the ones that can help us get beyond this. It's still an issue. You know, Clarence, the, the folks listening to this podcast don't know Mark Hayes in, in Arkansas, but he's exactly the kind of person we're talking about. You would, from an outsider looking in, you would never expect he or his family to be impacted by something like this. For whatever reason, it invades anywhere and can and impact anyone and it's a great example, I think, and he does a great job of being open about his experience and, and sharing it. Um, National League of Cities, uh, NACO, National Association of Counties, um, you all are working on some best practices, some 
you know, innovative things that you can share with the folks around the country. I think by the time this podcast airs, the the report or the recommendations will already be out. So maybe if you're okay with it, just talk a little bit about what we can expect to see there and and how that might uh, might help us all. Uh, first of all, um, we're going to talk about ways that uh, you can get funding uh, for uh, support uh, from the federal government uh, uh, in terms of uh, addressing uh, this issue. Um, because most often, as we know, uh, city governments, um, unless you're a very, very large city, we don't manage the medical um, system or the health departments. Uh, a lot of that occurs with uh, the counties. So I do think a partnership with the counties is going to be uh, significantly important. The other uh, recommendation is that we're going to uh, recommend um, uh, partnerships and setting the table with the medical profession, uh, with the American Psychological Association, uh, with the police departments as well, because we all know from what we see for real in life is that um, they are the ones that most often are there first and then the ambulance and others. So there's a lot of uh, training and, and recognition that needs to uh, happen in order to um, uh, address this challenge that we have for our workforce. Um, we're also educating city leaders about the settlement funds that are out there from the companies that are promoting and marketing uh, all of these opioids and asking the question uh, of the settlement, what is our role? What is AIM's role? I mean, you know, can we be a, a compository of data, information, research, uh, can you uh, be able to bring together dollars from the settlement uh, to put on classes and, and other programs? I think that it's also going to be a, a toolbox that says, here are the things that best practices that have happened in cities uh, throughout America. And you will the narrative speak to your city um, and can you implement some of these programs? So I think it's going to be very helpful um, when we produce this. And, and Matt, I'd be glad to um, invite some of those from the counties and any place else uh, to your conference um, and speak to your members um, through um, some type of virtual meeting or whatever. But you guys can probably tell I'm, I'm still passionate by, about about this issue. I really am. It's Certainly appreciate that, Clarence, and all the work that that you're spearheading with the other local government organizations in in DC. It's it's going to make a difference, and we're looking forward to to how we can be a, a helpful ally in that process. Um, switching gears here just a little bit again, uh, back to state level legislative uh, type actions. You know, when we're all together, all the league directors from around the country and deputy directors or whoever it may be always talking about what the legislature in our respective states did or did not do. Um, you know, knock on wood, I will say here in Indiana over the last six, seven, eight years, we've had a really good run. We've had a 
a governor and a legislature that's been really focused on quality of place, uh, type of work and bringing dollars to local communities to, to create the places that people want to live in. Uh, but of course, we always have our challenges. I was just on the phone this morning a few minutes ago uh, with our government affairs director about an issue that's popped up in our General Assembly today uh, that we don't like. Um, again, back in Atlanta this last fall, uh, you and some folks from the, the Local Solutions Support Center noted broad actions by state legislatures to reduce local decision making. That's been a, a theme we've always talked about in this business for as long as I can remember and probably years before. Um, so for those of us or for those that, that weren't present, uh, maybe just share some highlights from that press event and, and where, where you see it going forward. Yeah, I uh, first of all, I commend uh, AIM uh, for your advocacy, uh, because oftentimes when we talk about issues of state preemption, and I'll remember our conversation, Matt, around housing um, and how other state leagues were uh, lamenting about what was happening in their state. And you you sat there and said, "Oh, we've worked ours out. We had a plan, and we um, we achieved that." I don't know if it's completely worked out yet, but we're um, certainly headed well, in that direction. Well, that's that, that, <laughs> that's my story. I'm telling it. I'm telling it. So um, it 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 was just enlightening, and and the strategies that you use to be able to set a table to be in the conversation, and that's the first step is to be at the table, but. State preemption of local governments is a big issue uh, that's becoming bigger and bigger uh, problem for local leaders around the country. And, you know, all of our state leagues and um, uh, nationally, we live by, you know, local authority or home rule and, and the concept that, you know, we know what is best as mayors and council members and city managers and staff what our communities um, need in order to be that place that we can call home and create that environment that we want. But we've seen an abuse, I think, I use that word, of um, preempting and taking away from our communities. Uh, in 2023 alone, uh, we've seen more than 650 preemption bills that were introduced in state legislatures uh, covering, yeah, let's say, education, housing, uh, workers' rights, LGBTQ+, plus public safety, I mean, municipal broadband, it goes on and on. And I can tell you, um, it's not just a red or blue issue. Uh, so most people would say it's certain type of state or a certain type of legislature, but uh, in the area of housing, uh, transportation, and other topics, it does not matter uh, the side of uh, the the party that's in control, it's um, the legislature's desire to tell every uh, all the four hundred and and sixty cities in uh, Indiana, this is what you all must do, and so we know that municipalities across states vary in size and different needs. And forcing a one-size-fits-all does not work for uh, municipalities. So what we're starting to do 
is really pull together more information, more data. What are the trends? Where is it happening? So that we can get it to our uh, state leagues, so we can get it to AIM, and then um, Matt and, and Jennifer and their team can go out there and educate um, the members about what's happening. And I know all of you know this as listeners, uh, but we as staff can develop all kinds of policies and initiatives, but we need you in Indianapolis. We need you uh, in the state capitol um, talking to your members of the House, talking to your congressional members in Washington, D.C., telling that story, uh, because otherwise they may think it's um, uh, just staff-driven. This is your organization so in order to address um, the abuse uh, of preemption measures, uh, NLC is partnering uh, with our state municipal leagues to make sure uh, that on a daily basis, we're fighting to support um, your communities and your residents to make sure you own the decisions that uh, are needed to be taken in your communities about the priorities. Not necessarily a preemption, Clarence, but just a quick example of how NLC can be so helpful to Indiana cities and towns and all cities and towns across the country. We have a mayor in, in Northeast Indiana, and, and like a lot of mayors around the country, they have frustrations with the railroads and and how those activities impact public safety response and all, all sorts of different things. But he's worked very closely with your folks at NLC. We've got members of the both major railways in Indiana coming to a, a summit later this spring. So just a quick example of all the background material and almost everything uh, that he's understood and learned about that process came from the National League of Cities. So that's just a very small, quick way to e exemplify of how NLC can help communities, uh, not only in Indiana, but around the country. Yeah, we thank you for that. That's uh, a big issue. And I think, uh, you know, when we started watching it and tracking this, we were surprised at the number of derailments that occur on a daily basis that are not reported. And so we are supportive of economic development, growth, uh, and, and job creation. and But we want to partner in that, in the rail industry, was not a partner. And I think now they are, they want to come to the table and that's the power of AIM. That's the power of a partnership that NLC has uh, with AIM. But if it wasn't for your leadership and your team's leadership, they wouldn't be coming. So I congratulate you on that, Matt. Appreciate it. Well, Clarence, this is my last topic I wanted to cover with you today. And it's one that's really important to me. We've talked about it over the years, a couple different times, um, you know, in Indiana, actually, we just had our municipal elections in November and just came out of a, about an eight week period of time where we did some intensive training. And it was, you know, all these hundreds, maybe thousands of newly elected officials around the state. We've seen a nice uptick in the number of women in municipal office. We've seen a good number of folks in, in people of color coming into elected positions in Indiana but we're still not where we need to be um, without question. You know, maybe 20 plus percent of Indiana's population is minority based. We certainly do not have that level of minority representation in, in our elected office 
was around the state. Help us. I know NLC has been a leader in this area too. Over the years, we've had some training with our board of directors. In fact, during during the COVID and some of the events that happened around George Floyd and things like that around the country, come in and help. But what other things or words of advice or best practices can NLC share with us to help us do better of creating a, a membership that's more diverse and more reflective of our own state's population? I think that's a really important question. And I'm going to first take it from um, an angle of uh, what what we acknowledged and, and did. When I first took over uh, National League of Cities, uh, as you recall, 11 years ago, um, America was facing a, a real important time. And, and, and that was what was happening in Missouri. Uh, and then, you know, in Sanford, Florida, with uh, police community relations. And what I saw was our inability as local leaders to help lead our community. So I asked the board to create real race, equity, and leadership. And the most important part of the real program and initiative was the leadership part, because we need to know how to lead a diverse community and represent everyone that lives in that community as local leaders. If you are a mayor and you are communicating in an ineffective way or you're leading in, an, in, in a, a, a way of not including everybody in your community, your community is not going to prosper. The, representing the African-American community, the Hispanic community, the white community, I mean, the Asian Pacific, any type of diversity that you have, you have a responsibility when you raise your hand to be able to say, I want to lead not just this zip code in a way of getting housing. I want to get housing across every zip code in my community. So part of what we do is help you to acknowledge the data, acknowledge the gaps in education and housing and job creation and say, I got ARPA money. Here's where I'm going to direct some of those dollars to be able to lift up and support everyone in that community in an equitable way. So real is the important thing again is I encourage um, municipal leaders to get training, programming that is inclusive to all of those that live in your community. Now, in this day and time about getting more uh, diverse leadership on city councils, uh, in, in mayoral position, in staff positions at your city hall so that everyone, when they come to your city, can see themselves in your com community, no matter your background. I, I, I see somebody who I can relate to. Um, I think that that's going to be important. Now, I will acknowledge right now, Matt, this is the most difficult period of public service that I have ever experienced. In 1984, when I got elected at a ripe age of 23, city hall uh, business occurred at city hall. We conducted business and then you left. Today, City Hall is on the front lawn of our elected officials' houses. 
at their grocery store. They're being attacked at, at, uh, on, on web social media. Their families being threatened. I think our biggest challenge, one of it is diversity, but identifying and creating interest in folks who really want to run for public office. We're seeing um, the trend of women um, not running for, for public office now. They're actually resigning from public office because they're saying, I did not sign up for this. We're seeing people of color scared to run for public office because they don't want to be attacked. They don't want their families to be attacked. And so I think we got a big challenge right now. And, I, and I'm hopeful that I can work with our state leagues to really think of ways that we can encourage people to, one, go into college and continue to ma uh, major in, in issues like social so psychology, political science. Now, I wouldn't advise you to do political science. I did that, and that, that was hard. But, um, but I'm scared that we're not going to have that, um, that, that group of people back in my day that you left college saying that I want to serve as city manager. I want to be an urban planner. I want to be a city engineer because the civility or lack of civility in public service has caused at the federal level, state level, and it's really impacting the local level. So I, I hope that what we will do um, is to be able to encourage people to understand that compromise is not a bad word, uh, that um, politics is not a bad word. Disagreeing is not a bad way of developing public policy. We can disagree without being disagreeable. And we have to be role models in that. I'm a government sicko, so I look at a lot of city council meetings. And when I travel, I read all the newspapers when I'm in my hotel room waiting to go to dinner, I look at school board meetings. I look at city council meetings. And I must tell you all, sometimes I'm embarrassed. Yeah, I'm embarrassed. We got to know that kids look at that as well, that they look at the newspaper, they look at the news. And when they see their mayor and their council not respecting each other, yelling at each other, using inappropriate uh, words toward each other, calling each other named. They said, oh, that's leadership there. That's what I should do. Well, Matt, it's our responsibility, it's AIM's responsibility to play a role in turning this trend that we have to a trend of respect and I would say um, care and hope for our communities. Otherwise, um, I, I'm scared of where we're going to go, but I promise you, I'm going to be there fighting with you to make sure that our leaders are trained on how to govern in a respectful, inclusive way. I know I may not have answered your question about how we're going to get more diversity, but I can tell you, um, 
it's going to happen. It's going to continue to happen and we'll see it happen. That is an issue right now, but this ability thing, um, is also a major issue. Yeah. I couldn't, uh, couldn't agree more. Clarence, uh, you're the best. Uh, the Dash League of Cities is doing great work. Uh, I would encourage everybody uh, that's listening to this and, and anyone in Indiana that's a member of a city or a town leadership team to attend City Summit in Tampa later this year in, in November. Uh, a variety of other events uh, around the NLC offerings. Their website is full of useful information, research data, uh, all kinds of things that make a difference for how we do uh, our jobs at the local every day, local level every day. Uh, Clarence, thank you so much for joining our Hometown Innovations podcast. Uh, we will see you soon. Well, Matt, thank you again. And thanks for hiring me, man. I'm, I hope I make you <laughs> proud. Uh, I can't believe it's been 11 years. <laughs> I cannot believe it either, but you're more grayer than then. So anyway, y'all have a great time. Thank you all for having me.